day of the Lord's day, you should rejoice and be glad in it. It is a beautiful day outside, though I do have some bad news. It's supposed to get cold again this week. And whoever went up north and brought that back with them, go, go on back. Take that with you. We don't want it. We want that spring in here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so it's been beautiful the last couple of days, and we praise God for that, and we just praise right now that this sun will be shining here in the sanctuary, that His Spirit would fall down like rain, and that His name would be glorified and magnified. And I hope and pray that you're here to worship with me this morning. If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you and ask you to consider coming to be a part of Christ here with us in Sanctuary Welcome Avenue. If you're visiting with us this morning here at Welcome Avenue in the Sanctuary, we want to welcome you as well. Next to the fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place it in all your places and come around so we can have a way to revisit you. It's great to appreciate that as well. In the meantime, I'd love to share with you a little bit about what's going on at Robert Stabbing. We have lots and lots and lots going on. And number one, of course, after services today, we will not have any other services at Robert Avenue. Uh, we will be meeting at 10 30 in the parking lot to carpool or to convoy up to Belton, where we will attend our association. Annual meeting. There'll be a meal there at 445, so hopefully you signed up for that. And if you're not coming to the meal, the address is in the bulletin, and you can show up there a little bit later on. We'll have uh, church service there, and we'll have the business meeting as well. So come and see what your association is doing. So some interesting times and interesting places to be. Uh, that's going to be at Lakeview Baptist Church in Belton here. Any advice you can be said that tonight. Uh, the Eschatology Book Club. And Alice Kirkwright is hosting a field trip next Saturday. We are going to radio to visit the field museum. And those tickets are $6 a piece. You can pay them at the door for us by the minute there. And we'll be meeting here about 8.30 in the morning, coming around at 8, 8.30. Uh, leaving very soon from there and moving out together as a convoy, they're called fully. And we'll be going there. Uh, our plans are to have a picnic lunch. And the plans are to be able to walk down to the river and see the dinosaurs just up there as well. So come and be a part of that. You are invited to it. Uh, you say, is it too late to sign up? No, but today is the last day to do that. So please sign up in there. And of course, you can always just meet us there. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. I see already that there's been plenty of people signing up. So please consider being a part of that as well. I do want to remind you that there will be no potter uh, practice this afternoon because we'll be going up to. And then I want to remind you that Ladies Bible Study still will be meeting on Tuesday at 9.30 and 6.30. And of course we'll have Wednesday night services here at 6.30. And then we'll be back on track with Men's Bible Study on Thursday at 6.30 as well. So that's all of our upcoming services. Uh, let me remind you that next Sunday we'll be changing that time change. But spring ahead, so don't forget to set your clock ahead. One hour Saturday, next Saturday night. About 11, 12 o'clock, or when you go to bed, however you want to do that. Plus, we have a cell phone now that it just does it for you, doesn't it? My goodness. So, uh, don't forget that. Also, to remind y'all that we are currently observing our own Armstrong Easter offering. We spoke that Resurrection Day on time. We're in March now, so we're going to observe that. So, we don't have a goal this year. We don't have a goal because our church has decided to go ahead and support that monthly. But we still want to give the opportunity to each and every one of you be able to visit that individually. So if you feel bad or uh, talking to you about uh, supporting those uh, North American missions, missionaries, then we can still give to Andy Armstrong and your offering will go 100% to the church down in the middle of your check or write it on the envelope. 
we just come before you just thankful and grateful for your mercy and grace. We just ask that you bless these offerings that we put in this place. Right? We ask that you just set the hands and the hearts of all those who are giving their best so we can provide to your house. So we ask that you take these blessings and take these offerings and do it your will. In your precious Son, Jesus' name we pray.
gracious, help you out. And you come behind that. <laughs> Beautiful job, guys. Thank you for that. Brother Glenn, Brother Mark, Brother Robert, thank you. Beautiful. Yes, have a revival up in here.
We have religious nuts and we have conservative garments. <laughs> we got them all. The law of the harvest is what we're talking about this morning. The law of the harvest. Some of you know a little bit about that. Some of you are just now learning what that is. And in a nutshell, before you get, I just want to lay it out there for you, is that what you reap, you will sow. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we, Father? We come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house this morning. And I pray, Father God, that you speak to us and touch us and take charge this time. If there be anyone who's come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anyone who get their heart right with you, would you let today be that day, Lord, as we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Love the harvest. You look up on our screen, you have a beautiful wheat field right there. When I think of harvest, that's usually what pops in my mind. <clears throat> I uh, was in Indiana, Kentucky sometimes, and the cornfields were amazing there. When we drive by Texas cornfields, that's not corn, y'all. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's sheep corn, yeah. That's not corn. Those corns in Kentucky and Indiana were tremendously here. So, but then again, it, it actually rains out there, you know. So. But uh, when I think of harvest, that's what pops in my mind, is those beautiful fields of wheat. I know some of you in our diverse congregation are saying, that's not harvest to me, that's gluten. That's a gluten nightmare right there. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, some of you are thinking that right there. But I love that wheat. If I could ever trade my calling for anything to know, uh, even before we begin, if, if I could trade my calling to be a preacher, to be a pastor, it would have been to be a music leader. People say that all the time. Why? Because there's nothing greater than praising the Lord. Amen? There was nothing greater. But then again, when somebody comes to know Jesus Christ through your sermon, or somebody comes to know Jesus Christ through your personal witnessing, there's nothing sweeter than that too. But I can only imagine how it would feel to be able to stand up and lead the congregation in truth and worship. Worship in truth and spirit. What an amazing thing that would be. Another thing I would actually consider trading my color for if I could was to be a farmer. I think those guys are amazing and gals nowadays. I think they're amazing. They get up at the crack of the sun. They go to bed when the sun is going down. They sing that old song, you know, uh, I'm a, thank God I'm a country boy and things like that. And church, they are hard working and they are dependent upon God completely. They don't rely on the government. I know the government gives them all kinds of subsidies, but deep down inside, it's God that makes the seeds grow. It's God that makes the harvest great. It's God that takes care of the harvest. And what we're going to learn this morning is the law of the harvest. These people are completely dependent upon God the Father, upon God the Son, and upon God the Holy Spirit. So what comes to mind when you think of a harvest? Here in Compass Cove, we like to think about festivals, don't we? I know if you're from Lamp Passage, you think about the Spring Hoe, which is a harvest-style festival or a planting festival, all tied in there. I think about wheat, just a puff line. In your mind, it might be corn. <clears throat> Some of our younger Christians out there, they might think of sickles or scythes. What's the difference between a sickle and a scythe? A sickle is that one that you're just holding your hand. It's small and it's curved. A scythe is the big one you hold. And that's the famous one that everyone always pictures. And they usually call it a sickle, but it's not. What about harvester tractors? Does that pop up in your mind? Those combine tractors, they run through those fields of wheat, they run through those fields of corn, and actually remove the grain. What about when you were little? Have you ever had that story pop to your mind or read to you when you were a kid about the little red hen? She came up and she said, would you help me plant my corn? You know it's a, a fiction story, you say. 
Some of you are thinking of them. No, no chicken in the world will allow that corn to get fat. They would eat it. The little red hen, what she did was she came up and she said, help me plant my corn to all her friends. And of course they said no, so she planted the corn herself. She went to her and said, help me tend my corn in the cornfield. They said no, so she did it all herself. She said, help me harvest my corn. And they said no, so she did it all herself. Then she said, help me cook my corn. They said no, she did it all herself. And finally they were expecting her to say, help me eat my corn. But she did not. Of course, what the real downside of the story is, if you know what you do with a fat hen, <laughs> the Bible also teaches about harvest. Did you know that? So let's look <clears throat> into the law of harvest this morning. Galatians chapter 6, read with me verses 7 through 10. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Before we go any further, let me just put it out there. Sometimes we take offerings for poor and for weak, but you know what? We have Christians in these help too sometimes. Yeah. And the Bible tells us, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now let's look at three spiritual truths found in the law of harvest. Now, if you've done some studying on the law of harvest, and I'm sure a lot of you have, because it's a very common thing. In fact, you just type in your Google, law of harvest, you'd have about 97 sermons pop up. They're everywhere. Most of them find about seven truths in it, but I don't have that much time this morning. We get out at 12, not 3 o'clock. Amen? So I knew y'all would like that one. So, we're going to break it down into three. Not just that, but this is a Baptist church, and everything we do is three points. Let's look at those three spiritual truths found in the law of hearts. Number one, we reap only what has been sown. Two, we reap in a different season than when we sow. And three, we reap more than we sow. Did you get that? You need me to leave it up for just a second more? You can write it down. Well, you might be one of those that says, Pastor, I didn't bring a pen or pencil. Well, you know what? I'll give you the PowerPoint. Ask for it. I'll give it to you. But you got to ask for it. You can't be one of those that says, send it to me every week. No, no. you got to ask every week. True. Because I'll forget so, the Bible does mention something in there about be ye not seed. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. Now we'll talk about that in just a second. Because, unfortunately, that's what we have in churches today. The mocking of God. That Greek word is a real powerful word. It's extremely powerful. It means something. Uh, the picture of it is extremely powerful. If you want to say it with me, and I've put it up here for you in Greek, so you can see that there, it's Nikitimitso. Nikitimitso. Somebody try to say it with me. Good. Amen. Don't do it in your neighbor's face, though, okay? Nikitimitso. <laughs> the root word that comes from mocking literally means nostril. Literally means nostril. And the idea of that word means to turn your nose of the God. Turn your nose up at God to sneer at Him. And you can get this definition from the New American Standard Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. That's where I got that from. 
to turn your nose up to God literally is to say, I don't care. I don't care about what's going to happen to me. I don't care about what's going to happen to my family. I don't care about what's going to happen to this country or to the people around me. I'm turning my nose up at you. I don't care. In fact, we get our expression stuff up that way. People who turn their nose up. Do you remember when you were young and you said she stuck up or he stuck up? And they would talk about the person with their nose up in the air. This is the perfect picture of that right there. A stuck up person who is turning their nose up at God. Not at me, not at you, not at the church, but at God. And literally what they're saying is it doesn't matter what God does. I'm doing it my way anyways. We are full. The churches are full of people like that. I'm not here to preach against you this morning. I'm not here to hit you with anything. But I want you to know the churches are full of it. And what they say is, and I'm going to do it my way anyway. And we often forget that God is not mocked. You might think you can mock Him, but you can't. Sometimes, you know what? I'm just going to get off the subject for just a minute. Sometimes we forget how big our God is, don't we? We think of Him as this little bitty thing up in heaven, listening to everybody. And I want you to know, He is described as holding the universe in the span of His head. Do you know how big our universe is? Do you know how big those planets are? Do you know how big our sun is? Let alone how big our earth is. It is so big that you can't walk across it by yourself. You can't do it. Yet we think we have the audacity. Sometimes we think we can tell God how to do things. God, if I was in your position, this is how I would do it. And we don't realize how big our God is. And you've got to face Him on judgment day. Big isn't the word. So big the Bible describes Him as breathing stars out of His mouth. He speaks and creates. He's that big. And we should be getting a sinking feeling right now. Some of us should be getting decreased to how big we are. What we're really doing is turning our nose up to God saying, well, I'm going to do it my way. My way is better. Or literally, it's this attitude. Whatever. That describes today's teenager, doesn't it? Whatever. I've got my phone. I've got my Netflix. I've got my Hulu. I'm good. Whatever. Wrong. Wrong. Perhaps it's the attitude that someone else is going to take care of this. In fact, I'll give you a picture of somebody with a big nose. Anybody remember who that is? That's a wild corn man. I don't remember his name, though. But when I was young and I was watching that, I could never come to the decision of whether that was a mustache or knuckle hair growing up. <laughs> so when I think of somebody with a turned up nose, that's the picture I get. Sorry to the creators of the wild corn man. But the Bible tells us we will reap what we sow. And I want you to remember that you will reap only what has been sown. In fact, that's law number one. That's the first spiritual truth we gave you this morning. We reap only what has been sown. No matter how hard you try, listen to me for just a second, no matter how hard you try or whatever you plant, it's exactly what will grow. You can plant all you want to, kernels of corn, and pray that it will become wheat. But you know what's going to come up? Corn. You can plant all you want to, radishes. You know what's going to come up? Radishes. No matter how hard you pray, no matter how much faith you have, you're not going to change it. The Bible tells us you will reap what you sow. Now, how does that apply to us as Christians? How does that apply to us? Well, number one, we start planting things in other people's lives, don't we? We plant them in churches. We plant them in their hearts. We plant them in everything they do. We plant them in our children. We plant them all around. 
people what you're planting. Sometimes you're planting seeds of doubt. Sometimes you're planting seeds of hate. Sometimes you're planting seeds of lies and seeds of gossip and seeds of anything else that doesn't belong in God's fertile ground. We reap what we sow. If you sow constant criticism, do you know what you're going to get back in return? Constant criticism. If you tell your children they're not good enough, then your children are going to grow up and say, Mom, Dad, you're not good enough. Because you reap what you sow. If you are one of those that sows constant whining and complaining to your wife, do you know what you're going to get when you come home from work, husband? Constant whining and complaining. Maybe not the same amen right now. Guys, if you're one of those and your wife can never do anything right and all you do is complain to her, then you know what you're sowing? Seeds of complaint. When you get home, do you know what you're going to get? You're going to reap complaints. If you are a husband and constantly tearing up your wife, then you're going to get torn down plants. The Bible tells us that you will reap what you so, no matter how hard you try, whatever you plant is what you will grow. Here in Texas, we love our jalapenos, don't we? But we can't agree how to say it. Some people say jalapenos, I still say jalapenos. <laughs> we can't agree on that. That's how diverse we are in the congregation, amen? That's okay. We're not going to discriminate. You can say jalapenos, we just put you over in the weird group over there. <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Jalapenos. <laughs> you know what? We have somebody that I know is dear to my heart and love her very much, but there was a time she put red jelly on the hamburger. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> Some of you were like, praise God, I knew that. No, you're over the weirdo camp. No, that's the people who say jalapenos. No! You're going to reap what you sow. And if you put great gum in the hammer, you're going to reap that indigestion. Amen? We reap only what we sow. Incidentally, it doesn't matter how hard you try to change it. You're going to get back what you put into the ground. If you put love into somebody, you're going to start reaping some love. If you put peace in somebody, you're going to start getting some peace. If you put patience into them, you're going to start getting patience. It's time for us to start learning the law of the harvest. And we're going to reap what we sow. Amen? Amen. And because we reap what we sow, it's time for Ron Samuel to start adopting a brand new attitude. What's our attitude? It should be an attitude of gratitude. We are grateful for what God has done for us. He's taken us from a dead church and made us into something alive. He's doing a new thing at Robert's Avenue. Thank you, Jesus. We need to read what we saw. We need to quit being all this stuff. I wish it was like this in 1993. Wrong. That's that's great jelly hamburgers. No. We need to read what we saw. We are sowing peace. Love, happiness, we are sowing self-control. We are sowing God's word. And when we do those things, we're going to start reaping it. We reap what's been sown. So the same principle as we see from Scripture is instilled on us as Christians. What we sow is exactly what we reap. If you sow anger, you're going to get anger. If you sow criticism, you're going to get criticized. If you sow gossip, there's only a matter of time until somebody's gossiping about you. If you sow lies, the lies are going to come back on you, etc., etc., etc. If you sow hatred, you know what you're going to get in return? Hatred. You sow anything that isn't of God, and you're going to get back anything that is not of God. Think about that for a second. What are you sowing in your children's lives? 
What are you sowing in your church family's lives? What are you sowing in those you love around you? Husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews. What are you sowing? If they're afraid to come around you, there's a problem. God, yes. There's a problem. I don't want to get around him. I don't want to get around her. They do nothing but criticize. They do nothing but constantly tell me how wrong I am. And you know what? You, you end up reaping that back. But they say, how come you don't want to visit me? And they say, because you're the most negative person I've ever met. Look with me in Hosea 8, verse 7. They sow the wind, the Bible says, and reap the whirlwind. Let me give you a picture of that. This is from my mind, though, not from anybody else. This is from my mind. Let me give you a picture of that. They sow the wind. These are those that are speaking out of their mouth, and all they're doing is talking a bunch of hot air. And the Bible says they reap the whirlwind. Eventually, that hot air, and eventually all that trash talking they've been doing comes right around behind them and pushes them out of the way. Did you know that? They sow the wind, and they reap the whirlwind. The Bible says in verse 7, the stalk has no bud. That's what they planted. It has no bud on it. There's no fruit coming from it. It will never produce meal. But if it should produce, and this is a hypothetical statement, if it ever should produce, the Bible says aliens will swallow it up. Now, don't think of little green guys and UFOs. Think of an alien invading army that comes in and takes your harvest from you. So what kind of sowing should Christians be doing I'll give you a picture here of the parable of the sower. I love this picture because to his left you have that fertile ground, right? He's walking on. To his right you got that hard earth scorch. And then all the way to the right you got the rocky stony ground. But he's sowing his seed faithfully. Faithfully. What kind of seed should Christians be sowing? Well, I believe, number one, that this is important. But if you could, turn with me in your Bibles over to Mark chapter 4. We'll take a look at the parable of the sower. Remember, we're looking at the law of the harvest. Remember, you will reap what you sow. So I believe that this is important, and I believe that this is key to understanding not just this parable, but all parables in your Bible. Look at me in Mark 4, verse 13. Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand the whole parables? And I take that to heart. I take what Jesus says to Hard. And what he said there is, if you can't understand this parable, how then will you understand any other parable? All other parables. Any other parable I'm going to give you. How are you going to understand them? So what's the parable of the sower all about? We're going to look at it in this context today, this morning, of what you reap is what you will, excuse me, what you sow is what you will reap. What you sow is what you will reap. Jesus is talking about it in this context, though, like this. There are true and false Christians. There are those that really get the word in their heart and it brings forth fruit, so 30, some 60, 100 people. And there are those that rejoice greatly and then fall away. Those that have the devil come and choke it out. Those that have the cares and concerns of this life just eat it up. And incidentally, you know where you are right now just by that simple description. If you've given up your walk with Christ because the world has got between you and God, then you might be that stony ground faith believer. If you're one of those that came with great rejoicing down the aisle, said, I want Jesus to I want to go to heaven. And then you fell away when the birds came. And when the sun came out, you might be that earth is not deep enough to have root. But you also will know if you're one of those that that seed fell off and has produced fruit some 30, some 60, 100. You know where you are right now. I don't need to tell you. You can tell you. And I believe, once again, that this verse is all important. Mark 4, 13, he said to them, 
Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Therefore, let's again look at what a Christian should be sowing. Look at me in verse 13. He said, do you not understand the parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In verse 14, the sower sows the word. What should you be sowing? The word. The word of God. The word of God. You should be sowing it. How should you be sowing it? Let me tell you how I do it. I like to do it witnessing. I like to do it in evangelism. In fact, I left the word witnessing out of what I do. It's now evangelism. I go up to somebody and I deliberately strike a conversation up with them. Deliberately bring up the subject of God and the subject of Christ and the subject of eternity. How do I do that? You want to know? I ask a simple question. What do you think happens when you die? Everybody wants to talk about that, especially when you ask what their opinion is. They'll talk your ear off, did not they? Do you not understand, said Jesus? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. As Christians, we need to be sowing the word. What is the word? That Jesus Christ came, he lived for us, he died for us, he resurrected for us, and church is coming back again for us. We need to be sowing God's word. Somewhere down the line, we're forgetting that last part. Jesus is returning. He is coming back. And this time he's not coming back as a baby in a manger. He's coming back as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and Judge of all the world. We need to be sowing God's word. 2 Timothy 4 verse 5 says, But you, be watchful in all things, Jimmy. Endure those afflictions that come to you. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. If we are sowing God's word, we need to be doing the work of an evangelist. In fact, I'm let go of witnessing. I now purposely evangelize. Purposely do that. Apostle Paul tells young Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. If God called you to ministry, the first thing you need to be doing is evangelizing. If God called you to do anything, the first thing you need to be doing is sharing the word of God on good ground, stony ground, and on uh, those that need God's word. Let's look at truth number two, because I'm running out of time this morning. We read in a different season than when we sow. That's only common sense, isn't it? Of course, today's generation, we want instant gratification, don't we? We want to be able to click on Amazon Prime and have a delivery flight tomorrow. And some of them will pay for that, won't they? We reap in a different season than when we sow. Look at Genesis 8, 22. The Bible says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Please understand that there is a distinction made. Seed time and harvest. There's a distinction. There are two entirely different times. We sow in one season and we reap in another season. That's common sense for most of us. If we got any planters, and I know we do here at Marcus Avenue, you know when you plant those seeds, it's going to take a minute for them to come up. But that doesn't stop us going out and looking at them every day, though, does it? We go out and look at them, and some of us pray over us. Lord, let that be the biggest jalapeno plant I've ever had. <laughs> Lord, let that be a huge watermelon vine. You know, people ask me, Pastor, what would you plant? Squash. You can't go wrong with squash. It's in Texas. Let me tell you why. The first church I ever pastored was Oldman Baptist Church. I was there for 10 years, and I learned a lesson within the first three weeks of pastoring that church. You know what that lesson was? Lock up your truck. Why? 
because people were putting bags of squat. They grew in their house in your truck. I would go home with 47 bags of squat every week to the point where I couldn't get rid of it all. And Betsy and I ate squat until we were sick of that. We started locking that truck up. They started putting it in the back of the truck. And I was like, God help me. I even had a man once wrap up a catfish and put it in my brand new truck. He said, I believe in the first fruits, and that's the first fish I caught, Pat. He put it in the truck. I started locking that truck up quickly. It was July, y'all. I didn't get done with church till about 1 o'clock, and it had been 120 degrees already. Ah, it took me six weeks to get that smell out of that truck. <laughs> we will reap in entirely different times. We sow in one season, and we reap in another. Most of the time, though, God's people want to harvest instantaneously, don't we? We want to witness to somebody. We want to evangelize somebody. And we want to say, do you want to say a prayer with me? And then we wonder why they don't come to church. And we wonder why they don't grow in Christ. We wonder why they don't crave fellowship, why they're not desiring the sincere milk of words. And the reason why is because to them it was over when you said that prayer. And the reason why you wanted them to say that prayer is because you wanted that instantaneous gratification. Bible tells us we sow in one season and we reap in another. In fact, we may not always be the reaper. Did you know that? Sometimes there's other people who do the reaping. Sometimes it's just your job to come through and water that seed that was planted. Sometimes it's your job to go through and plow up a hard, stony ground heart. How did Jesus do that? You know how Jesus would do that? Never will you see in Scripture, and you can check this out if you want to, you can get angry at me. Never will you see Jesus giving the grace of God, the cross, the goodness of God to a hard-hearted sinner. No, no. He always gave them the law first. So with the law, he broke the hard heart, and then with grace, he healed the broken heart. Amen. Most certainly. Sometimes it's our job to run that plow through a hard heart. Sometimes it's our job to walk through the field and pick up stones. There's no worse job than picking up rocks in Texas. Amen? Amen. You don't even have to plant those. They just grow on their own. Pick them up. They'll get in the way of the plow. They'll keep the plants from growing. Sometimes it's our job to come through the water or to fertilize. Sometimes it's our job to get through and weed it. Pull those weeds out. We sow in one season and we reap in another. But most of the time, we want that instant harvest. Seems like a lot of God's people sow and then lose patience. They don't want to wait for the harvest. Does that describe you this morning? Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. Let's look at verses 36 and 38. But when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest, I love this, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He needs, and he's still asking for the church to send forth laborers that are willing to go out of the field and pick up rocks, to de-weed his garden, to fertilize, to water, to plow it up, to do whatever it takes to get that ground to bring forth fruit 30, 60, 100. Oh. Here's what Jesus says. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Did you catch that? Not ours. His harvest. Capital H says. His harvest. God's harvest. Incidentally, we don't know how to make the seed grow by itself. You can put water on it. 
We've got these wonderful things up here nowadays that it's almost glue-like and you can put it on a rock and it'll grow grass on top of that rock because it has its own little strip that has fertilizer in it and food for the grass and it'll grow there for quite a while. You ever seen that bright green stuff they spray on rocks after they come through and make a road or build a new house and they spray it there and they expect grass to grow? Six months later, it's still, still dirt going this. Have you seen it though? That's that grass glue that's in, like the fertilizer is the glue and they spray it everywhere. And we want that instantaneous gratification. The Bible tells us we need to learn to pray that the Lord of the harvest send out laborers into his harvest. Can I ask you a question? Has God called you to be a harvester? Has God called you to be a laborer? Has God called you to be one who's obedient and walk out in that field? Has God called you to that? Are you one sitting there saying, I don't even have the seed, Pastor? You know, we've got to look at point number three. But the first one is that we will reap what we sow, and we can't change what we sow. What you put down in the ground is going to grow. Now, there is some things you can do about that. Number one, you don't have to fertilize anger. Did you know that? You don't have to fertilize doubts and fears and criticism. Yes, it was planted, but we don't have to help it grow if we do it. We, because of the law of the harvest, can choose not to fertilize those bad plants. In fact, Jesus gives us a whole parable on that, doesn't he? Weeps and tears go together, don't they? If you plant just one kernel of corn, think about this for a second. If you plant just one kernel of corn, because we're going to reap more than we sow. If you plant just one, and it grows up into that corn plant, and even if you got just one ear of corn, even a small little Texas ear, how many kernels was all that? It came from the one. How many came from that? What about that one little grain of wheat? How many grains would come off of that fully grown plant? I'm not going to count to find out. That applies to a lot of things in our lives. When you sow God's word, when you fertilize God's word, when you get out and be a laborer in his fields, in his harvest. When you're a tither, you know that? Uh oh, am I preaching on tithing? No. But I want to give you a spiritual truth on it. You will get. What you sow, and God's mother thinks this will give her. Amen. Amen. If you give in love, and you love to give, then get ready to be given with love, and to be uh, loved while being given to you. I believe that with all of my heart. How much do you get back when you're a faithful tither, loving to give? The blessings keep coming and coming and coming and coming. The blessings of God's house. The blessings of God's people. The blessing of sending our youth group to Six Flags. Of sending our youth group to concerts. Of sending them out to become fine young men and women of Christ. That's a blessing, amen? amen. That's what those things are for. How much do you get back for that one grain of wheat? We don't know. How many... Christians with those young people needs. I want you to start thinking about this from my personal life. Pastor Robertson Avenue Baptist Church many years ago led me to Christ. He looked down at me after I came knocking on his door, those two glass doors right front there. He opened it up and he said, Son, you look like you have a problem. And I shared with him where I was going. And he shared with me how to not go there. And I put Christ in my heart. And for almost 30 years now, I've been ministering and pastoring. And I don't know how many I've led to Christ. 
I do not know. There's been times where hundreds came forward. There's been times where none came forward. Through those years, I don't know. Because that one man took the time to water a seed someone put in my heart. Because that one man took the time to fertilize it. That one man took the time to pull the rocks up so that that can grow into a full plant, a wheat or a full corn. It doesn't matter what it is. How many came from that? We don't know. How many of you brought to Christ? How many of you brought to Christ? Mark 4, 8 tells us, but then the seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. The law of the harvest. If you will give just that one, truly and honestly give it, love it. If you will love giving that one, listen to me now, if you will cultivate it, if you will water it, if you will make sure those stones aren't there. The Bible says it will produce 34, 60, some 100. But you know what? God's people aren't the only ones sowing. Do you know that? That God has the enemy, and he goes out sowing things too. And sometimes we like to help the enemy sow things when we sow uh, all those problems, discord, and schism, and anger, and lies. And God people are not the only ones sowing. Look at me in Matthew 13 25. I know we're doing a lot of jumping around this morning. Look at me in Matthew 13 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tears. Among the wheat and went his way. This is Jesus giving a parable, talking about the good wheat growing up, being gathered into his barn, and of course the tares being bundled up and burnt with fire. How? Who, who sowed it? The Bible tells us his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. God's also not the only one looking at the results. He's not the only one looking at the results of those harvests, of those fruit-bearing vines. Look at me in Luke 22, 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. He may sift you as wheat. I want to find out, Simon, whether or not you're bearing fruit. I want to find out, Simon, if it's good inside of you, if it's rotten. God is not the only one looking at the results. God has an enemy. So if we were looking at what we should sow as Christians, let's ask that question of what did Jesus sow? What did he sow? Look with me in John 12, 23 to 28. It's our last scriptures of the day, I think. Actually, we have one more, I think. But John 12, 23 to 38. But Jesus answered him saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. I want you to think about that for a second. If anyone serves me, follows me, him my father will honor. Verse 27, now my soul is troubled, said Jesus. Now what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified and will glorify you again. What did Jesus so? He tells us, like a kernel of wheat, of course you don't to say a corn of wheat, falls into the ground. And when it does, you cover it up. You bury it. And when the time is right, it springs forth the plant. 
And when God sends forth the sunshine, and God sends forth the rain, and God sends forth his laborers into the field, it brings forth fruit, some 30, some 60, a hundredfold. What is Jesus teaching us? He's teaching us that in him, he's sowing life eternal, he's sowing love eternal, he's sowing heaven eternal. Church, that's what Jesus is sowing, I believe. That's what the church should be sowing today. Christ also pictures himself as a vine. As a vine. Remember the John 15 discussion? He says, hey, I am the vine, and you are the branches. A vine that's grown forth out of the ground. A vine that's come forth. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you get cut off from me, you're not going to bear anything. The Gospel of John chapter 1 tells us he became flesh for us. He became flesh here on the earth. So you can think about that just a little bit differently from now on. You can think about it as he was planted for us. Planted. When he grew and he bore fruit. He willingly gave his life for us. That's what Jesus so He gave his life for us. And the Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, we're going to finish off here today. That God showed his love for us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died. What did Jesus sow? He sowed life eternal. He sowed his love. He sowed his blood. And he sowed the ability for us to have a relationship with God. What should the church be sowing today? We should be sowing evangelism. We should be sowing Jesus Christ in everything we do. Perhaps you want to this morning says, Pastor, I am a sowing ground Christian. And I am not bearing fruit, and I know what that parable means. Perhaps you say, Pastor, I'm one of those. The tears of this world constantly comes when I start to something go over God. Something comes and it takes it away from me. Would you be willing to come with me? Perhaps you say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian at all. Well, you've heard in Romans 5, it says, But God demonstrated his love toward us. And the one we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Would you be willing to come today and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Accept that He died for you. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And now shall He say, Would you be willing to do that this morning? Perhaps you say, Pastor, I am a Christian, but I'm not a member of any church. Would you be willing to come? Be a part of what God is doing while it's happening. But perhaps God is calling you to be that labor. And you heard that voice this morning. That labor, it calls that I need to be an evangelist. I need to be witnessing. I need to be sowing. Perhaps you are a Christian. You are a church member. But here lately, what you're sowing is it's life. Nutritious. We all have those moments. You be willing to come stand and say, you know what? I need to get my tanks refilled. Father, fill me with you. You don't need to talk to me. You need to talk to God. Would you be willing to come and say, I want that Holy Spirit in my life. I want that goodness coming back out. You know what's funny? What you put in your heart will come out of your mouth. Amen. You wonder why what's coming out of your mouth is negative? Because it's what you put in there. It's time to change your time. Let's pray together. If he's talking to you as you come. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you about Timothy to be in your house for this morning. And I pray that you take charge of this time. There could be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. Anyone, Father God, that needs to get their heart right with you. Anyone, Lord Jesus, that needs to become a member of Robert's Avenue. Or anyone that needs to surrender to a call. Let's name you that day. We love you. We thank you. We pray.
praise you and we bless you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Would you come with me saying, Jesus is
Thank you. 